Hello and welcome to the second Holtcast of the season. I'm James Rushton and today I'm joined by Ellie Sanford. How are you, Ellie, mate? Uh, I'm all right, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm good. I mean, I'd have been better if uh, I didn't have to endure yesterday's match. We'll get onto that later. So, uh, yeah, before we get into the meat of the matter and the discussion on this podcast today, uh, news is just breaking in that Villa have lost a player. Leandro Bakuna has left Villa for Reading. Ellis, how are you feeling about that? Uh, sad, I have to say. Like, I, I don't think he deserves half as much of the stick as he's gotten because at the end of the day, he came in as a cheap rotational player who can play in a lot of positions and he leaves much the same. He put in a shift every so often and I just feel like the criticism he's gotten has been a bit over the top. Yeah, I get those same feelings as well. I mean, how much did we buy him for? About It was less than a million. I think it's 800 grand. I think it was 800k, and that yeah. that isn't a great deal. Even back in 2013 when we bought him, it wasn't that much money. And I think we got 3 million for him, so all in all... He's uh, done a good job of, for his values to go up anyway, even if that's just market the market that's took it up. But yeah, I mean, can't complain about him going too much. The circumstances I can certainly complain about, but more so the fact that he left isn't something I'm particularly worried about. Uh, also, his destination's not course, ideal. Yeah. You know, you don't really want to be selling players to divisional rivals, especially a player that does have the ability to change a game. Like I know everyone will say, oh, he's done nothing for a couple of seasons, but... You know, on Tuesday when we play them, it's entirely possible he steps up and nets a free kick against us because that's just how it yeah, goes. Yeah, I think Bakuna's always been a, one of those players. He's certainly got a bit of magic in his boots, but he just doesn't come out that often, does he? It's like it's not even every three or four games it comes out. You're waiting years between some special stuff from Bakuna. I mean, what stands out to me sure. is that Manchester City free kick because of the not just because yeah. of the free kick. It's pretty bog standard free kick, isn't it? But more the context of it. And the quality of player just left your heart rooted to his spot, and it was exactly. glorious. Exactly, and um, we'll have that one, and we'll have the one against Cardiff. And those two moments were just like, well, they they really should have made it, so that when he left, he's on those plays we'd always look back fondly at. But obviously, since then, it's all changed, and now he's on those players that won't be remembered as well as perhaps he should have. Yeah, I mean, like he was part of me. He's very much a five out of ten player, and I'm, that's not bad. He just did a job. Sometimes he did it worse than he should have. Sometimes he did it better. And I mean, there's not, as I say, there's not too many complaints on my side of him going. It's more so the fact that, you know, he didn't want to go until his reception or the ironic Gia's that took him off uh, at the whole game. And he shouldn't have started anyway. He's not, you know, we should not be starting Leandro Bakuna with so much depth and power in our, in our midfield. And I don't know what happened there. But uh, yeah, Leandro Bakun has gone for three million to Reading, and he will likely play against us on Tuesday night. We'll get into the meat of that Reading game later on, but first we've got some wrapping up to do. Uh, we played Colchester midweek. We've had a very mixed week, so we have to start off with the positives. We went to Colchester and we grabbed a scrappy win in Essex. Ellis, did you have, do you have any thoughts on that game? Um, I don't think you can look too much into the performance because obviously the weather was pretty okay. awful so that sort of limited the style of game we should we could play and obviously against a like inferior opposition the weather would suit them better so i don't think you should judge it too harshly because you know it wasn't a flawless performance but you know the win's important and it's just as well we got when it and the weather's that bad it's uh anyone's game isn't it really because mm, obviously, you know, we've got the team that should be to like, you know, play them off the park on the ground. But when like the ground's that boggy, you're more tempted to hoof it high. 
And then when it goes like that, it's more suited to a lesser opposition, really. It's nervy so as well, isn't we it? Just, it's just the, the the fact that the unexpected comes into it. Mm, I mean, I mean sure, you say that sure. with Rain, but that was a phenomenal amount. Of, that game should have really been called off, come to think of it, because... Oh, it was borderline. Touch and go yeah, all day. Exactly. I mean, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it went ahead, because I was, it was thinking fun. it was a chance to build some momentum. It was fun to watch in the sense that I was scared we were going to lose. But I think it was a real prop. It was quite the performance that fans do like that, like kind of grit and passion performance. Proper yeah, football. proper football, quote unquote. But uh, we we saw a few people make a name for themselves in that game, and um, one of them is one of your favourites, isn't it, Jed Steer? Is he one of your favourites? Yeah. Um, I, I suppose you know he, he's he's not got the he's not got the name value of you know James Chester in terms of my faves, but. You know, he's on those plays. We've had him for a long time, and I don't think we've seen enough of him relative to how good he is. And I'm just glad he was able to prove that point midweek. But then it kind of annoys me that you can go out there, you can be man of the match, play really well, and then you just get dropped the next weekend because it's sort of what, what does it say? You know, you know, well, well played, Jed, mate. But we're going to continue to play the keeper we've got on loan. Like, what sort of message does that send to the players who don't, who aren't in the first eleven? Like, does it incentivize you to work harder? I don't know if it does or not. What that says to me is that, come what may at the end of the season, that Villa will make a serious offer for Sam Johnston if it suits them. Um, I'm, I, Shouldn't yeah, bother. I mean, with Jed Steer, you've got someone who's pretty young. I think he's the same age as Sam Johnston, but he's been at Villa for years. And I remember there was quite the palaver when we went in for him. It was quite a protracted transfer because of his age and technically stealing him from Norwich and all that, the Norwich youth system. But yeah, mm, he's highly yeah, rated. Exactly. He's in England, by the England under nineteen. Um, he's good, and we saw that. We saw that firsthand in his first. I'd say his first proper Villa game. I um, mean, it'd be silly to judge him mm. on those Burnley ma- the matches he's played before. That was a uh, one of his first proper games where you know it wasn't a write off at the end of the season. Like, it meant it was a match that meant something. And yeah, thanks point. to him, we we did win. No mm. question about it. Um, also, another person. Callum O'Hare, what do you think about him? Yeah, I mean, fair play to the kid, you know, make a name for yourself, and he certainly did. And I mean, I suppose like Jed Steele plays well and doesn't get into the squad on the weekend, but Callum O'Hare is the opposite. He definitely played, he's played himself into contention now, and I wouldn't argue against it because he was sort of the liveliest player on the field midweek. Yeah, he certainly caught my eye. Um, Someone else? Who uh, caught my eye, but for the wrong reasons, was Chris Samba at the start. <laughs> he, uh, that wasn't good. That's for first 50 minutes or so. He did get a lot better towards the end, and I think he did play a huge part in you know helping us get that win. But the problem is, you know, it was 2 1, and he gave that almost gave the uh, equaliser, didn't he, with that penalty? I can only think he slipped in the weather because. From the reverse angle, he's nowhere near the ball. And I, I don't think a player of that experience can be that bad. So I think it has to be like, based on the conditions. Yeah. Otherwise, we've got real problems if he's our third-choice centre-back. I mean, as the match grew on, he did grow into it. And I think we have to give him some plaudits for that because it was a difficult night. James Chester was completely out of his depth as well, but he, he still managed to pull some, some magic out of the hat, really, didn't he? And the same with Samba, oh, as yeah. the night went on, you know, they were, the whole defence was struggling. It was just one of those games where 
you know, as we said, the water wasn't just rain. It was there were puddles and standing water on the flanks, and it it was awful. And um, but Chris Samba and James Chester, James Chester especially, uh, was a hero of that game in my eyes. And Chris Samba at the end came up, came up good. So yeah, I mean, I can't complain too much about it. I mean, we should have battered them, but we we genuinely could have lost that match. Mm. No, I mean, I'd take that result in a heartbeat because it's all about building momentum. But it, I don't know, it wasn't easy. But then, you know, it's understandable, things considered. Yeah, and I think Villa came out looking really good. I mean, Jed Steer got, got to show off some pretty pretty great saves, like a whole lot reel of saves for him. So that was doing well. So, yeah, the cup, what I'm expecting from the Cup is not a win of the Cup necessarily. I'm also just some fun. It's not the not got the pressure of the league, so Villa can go out there and play it like a real natural game, and uh, we can give people like Calamo hair starts, which is you know it's always good to see. Mm. But then I, I I'd argue a case that we should be given players that can start in the league anyway. But yeah, I agree that the cap's not about winning it; it's about seeing what works and maybe using it as something to build upon for the games that yeah, do like, matter. I mean, if we didn't have that cup game, we wouldn't you know know necessarily to start. Or play O'Hare in the league. I mean, he wouldn't have got his chance maybe in the league, which is deemed obviously more important. So it's good to see, you know, a cup run will give people chances and maybe change Steve Bruce's mind about things. That's always good in my eyes. Mm. So, so long as that includes Jed Steer, I'm all for it, to be honest. Yeah, and uh, I mean, because we've won that game, uh, Jed Steer will be in goal as we take on Wigan at home. What do you think about that? Good draw? It's, it's just nothing, is it? Really? Yeah, it's, it's just, just another. There's no, there's no glamour. There's no drama. It's just another that's, that's game. Defense to Wigan, but... really, because like the way the cup is divided is to save. <laughs> it's stupid, but it, you know what it's done is to save all those derby ties for the later rounds. And I mean, fair, fair enough, really. Mm. Um, it's stupid, but we yeah, will play Wigan at home, and we will get turned over if we don't improve. Because uh, the other match mm. we've got to uh, wrap up is uh, yesterday's one against Cardiff when Villa went out and they did try against Cardiff uh, early on. But if Villa uh, play the same way they did against Cardiff against Wigan at home, we'll be knocked out of the cup. Yeah, I would not disagree in the slightest because yesterday was just dismal. Yeah, moving on to that Cardiff game, uh, Cardiff manager Neil Warnock, one of his superstitions before a match is to hold in his piss for as long as he can until he desperately needs to go and he's shaking and almost crying that he needs to go. And that's one of his superstitions that he does um, before before a game, I think watching Fever Pitch as well is another one. He watches it every. That must drive him insane with the midweek games. But yeah, it clearly worked, didn't it? Um, we head across to Wales. We were turned over. We had no left side presence, and we can really be thankful that the score was only three goals to nil. Neil Warnock should sort have of had a lot more than three goals, and I'm telling you that now. You know, bias as a Villa fan. Uh, one man who knows all about that game is sitting opposite me today, virtually opposite me today. Uh, Ellis was at the Cardiff Stadium. How was it? I mean, first things first, Neil Warnock is a fucking weirdo, isn't he? Like, what is that all about? Like, wild. Yeah, that, is stra- that is genuinely, like, serial killer. That is. Well, the superstition, like, like, John Terry's got his shin pad superstitions, but that's just weird. But say what you want about him, he out-hustled us yesterday big time. Cause we got done. We just, yeah, and we... Didn't look like we could do anything about it either. Like, we were helpless. But, I mean, we started okay. 
you know, say you want about the Villa fans, they travel really well and the atmosphere was pretty lit on our side. And then we sort of settled into a rhythm of just not a lot happening for a bit. And then they took the lead and never looked back. And we couldn't adapt quickly enough or even at all. And boom, that's another three points gone. Yeah, and that's an important three points as well because Cardiff are in form. They uh, start off with two wins out of two. And they're promo- top of the table, I think. Likely promotional favourites. So that's technically a six-pointer, isn't it? Anyway, you cut it. You can't lose teams against teams who are going to be up there at the end of the season. Even if it's the first day of the season, you can't do that. So, and uh, you were in the away end, weren't you? Yeah, what was that like? first away game. First, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of us. I think there's about 5,000 Villa fans all told. We brought the noise and you know kept the noise up until... Probably their third goal, and then it kind of got a bit ugly. Yeah. And then that wasn't so fun. As it would do, because it's not like a, a rivalry's brewed between Cardiff and Villa, but Neil Warnock has had a lot to say. And I mean, whether it's fair or unfair against Villa players and how Villa go about games and stuff. And he's tried to kick us off the park a few times. So there's been a bit of a aggro on both sides there. And I think that's just that's yeah. just a deflation of it there, isn't it? He's went home happy. Um, without anything cruel to say against Villa. And he's actually been quite complimentary, which is weird for Warnock. But I guess it's because Bruce is in mm-hmm. charge. But um, on the other managerial side, Steve Bruce did look down and out after that Cardiff match, um, which is scary to see. And there's a video clip of him on Villa's Facebook channel. And it's exactly, and I shit you not, it's exactly like Tim Sherwood after that Leicester game. Do you know when he was red in the eyes, just staring at the oh, ball? yeah. And he he wasn't happy at all. He said, "I don't. I think it was. I don't know how to fix the away." I'm paraphrasing, but it was it was along the lines of he doesn't know what to do with the away form, and he's going to have to seriously pull something out of himself to really find a way for Villa to win a game away from home. Mm, I mean, like the Sherwood one, it's good that it shows that he actually cares, but it shouldn't come to that in the first place. Like. I know it's I know it's easy to say don't get it that wrong, but I mean we just didn't get it anywhere near right on the weekend. Like you know, you he he was the one that stalled really Gustav, wasn't he? He was in I charge when that happened I'm back not in sure January. Who's responsible at Villa for signing? Play- but he, yeah, was, he was he was in charge. I mean, you get rid of a big striker, you bring in Scott Hogan, who's shorter and quicker. And yet you still resort to pinging in high balls against Saul Bamba and Michael Morrison. And a Neil Warnock uh, not... team in general isn't going to have you doing that, is it? Mm, they seem to be less big and physical than last season, but you, it's still not going to work out well for you if you're going to do that. Lo and behold, it doesn't. And then the fans turn on Hogan because he's the one that's not winning the balls when it's not really his fault that they're the balls he's getting. And if fans turn on him, he loses his motivation and it turns into a vicious cycle of Nothing good happening. Big problem. And and that all comes from Steve Bruce's tactics. I mean, I'll skip ahead here and I'll say that Steve Bruce does look like he's on the way out. And not that he'll be sacked. I think he'll genuinely walk. You reckon? Well, look at all the stuff he said about financial fair play and the restrictions and how he didn't understand the situation, how the situation was explained to him, how about he can't now be in the second match of the season, how he's acting like that. I mean, it's just... Mm. He doesn't seem... He won't walk away from a payday. You say that, and we're still paying, we're still paying Tim Sherwood. So yeah, you do get paid. You don't not get paid. <laughs> you do get it. Yeah, but if you resign, surely you forfeit 
some of that as opposed to if you get fired. I mean, I'm not sure someone, how it works in football. That happens to... in real life, but in football world, I think agents, you know, I'd sort out something so you had some leeway. I suppose if it went bad enough, we'd negotiate some kind of... Remy Guard, he, like, got, he got paid off. Yeah. Exactly. So I think, you know, if there's some kind of resignation situation, he wouldn't walk without a payday like any other manager. It'd be protracted. But, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, you should go on, if you're uh, listening now, just pause the podcast, go on Facebook, scroll down on Villa's timeline, and you'll see that video, and it is quite disconcerting, really. I'd say that, definitely. Because, you know, we've got to get two days from now until Villa's next match. How does Steve Bruce turn everything around in two days? And the, the answer is he doesn't. Unless he plays five at the back, no striker, the pack the midfield, and uh, lock down uh, the whole pitch against Reading to get a result. He's not going to... If we play like that, we're going to get hammered. And Bakuna will be on the other team. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I'd argue Reading's a tougher place to go than Cardiff anyway. I mean... So. Neil Warnock is a tough manager to face. It's not like Cardiff are a tough team. It's they've got a real wily manager who will he'll he won't look within his own team what strengths he can use. He'll look within the other team. And I mean like he'll he'll look for weaknesses and I mean Alan Hutton for one. I mean the one I agree with that to a certain extent, but I think this time around Cardiff implemented their game plan better than us rather than shutting us down. Like, you know, January, they just out-hustled us. But this time, they actually set out, you know, put bigger Kenneth Zahore on John Terry, for example. And he just ran wings around him. Well, we've got um, um, a really good article on the site, actually. Alex Carson with his expected Villa column. And I generally think this is one of the best pieces of uh, Aston Villa writing you'll see. And not just this one, the whole sure. series. And um, I'm not sure if you've read today's one, because you've been travelling. But there is, um, he goes through the uh, pass maps. And we have no one on the left mm-hmm. side. We generally have no player on the left side except Neil Taylor. So, and guess yeah. where all their goals kind of come from? You can, you know, you can see the story already. And the problem is on the right side, Alan Hutton's average position, all his touches weren't in defence or at the back. They were kind of near the box on the right wing. So we have got two players back away against Cardiff. I mean, you don't have to be a genius to do that math. Mm. Yeah, Neil Taylor being the only left-sided player was really worrying. But I don't know why we saw Jordan Amavi because I like Neil Taylor, but he's just not that good, and he doesn't have a right foot. He won't. Over, so, he won't look to overlap, which is the problem because he'll sit back, which is good, and I like that. But if you've got a left winger like Gabby, who's going to take the initiative and try and win the game and try and be superheroes and you know Superman all the time, mm. and it's not going to go right like Hutton because he's not gifted. Um, we're going to get caught out on the left. Gabby was central. He was a, he, His position was central yesterday, even though he was deployed on the left wing. So we had one player on the left. That's not good enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Gabby's coming in and it's making it even more congested. And then, you know, the, the uh, Cardiff right back can show Neil Taylor inside, knowing that he doesn't have a right foot. So Neil Taylor's on to look back inside and because it's so crowded, there's no options. So then he's pinging it back out to John Terry, who's coming through the left. That's creating even more space in between him and Chester. And, you know, we got caught out on the back for loads of times. I'm pretty sure it was their second goal. Taylor loses the ball. They hoof it long in 10 seconds. It's 2-0. So I think that's, the left side is a real problem. That's the perfect explanation of why we need Milo Yedinak so much because he will drop back to be a centre-back at all times. So when you've got James Chester, who's effectively a right-back in that match because of Hutton, 
you've got John Terry, who's effectively a left back in that match because of Taylor. You need Yedinak to drop back and be that centre back, kind of that state, that presence. Whelan won't. He tries to do it, but he's just he wants he wants to he wants on the ball. He wants to be on the ball at all times. Yedinak doesn't. No, he's he's more yeah. blocking the way. And I think we, we that's the reason why we miss him. Not because he's good at anything. It's because he's smart enough to know when Villa need help. Mm. And he's got hustle as well. Yeah. You know, he, like we we lost so many second balls because, you know, Whelan and Anoma played well, but he's not like as big a presence as like Yedinak. So we need like that big solid man in, in midfield, which Whelan sadly doesn't appear to be. Yeah, Whelan is a good ball player. Like, that's the thing. We bought him, apparently, to back Yedinak up or replace Yedinak. And he's not the same type not of player. Working. He's not, like, he's more like the type of person you'd expect Hurrahan to be. You know, pinging balls across. He can't be doing all the mm. defensive work. And it's, it's just, it isn't working at the moment, is it at all? Especially if we're going to play, we can't, play, if we play Gabby on the left. And he didn't, he hasn't done anything wrong, per se. But if we play him on the left against Reading, we're going to get shut down again because he mm. he will try and score and he will go into the middle to do that, and then we've got no one on the no help on the left. And that's for, that's frustrating for for sure. Mm-hmm. And you know you could have made the argument of putting a dome out wide, but you know El Mahamadi's out now for indefinite period, so that's another wide option down. So we all we can really do is hope that Andre Green's injury is not too bad. We can get him in the mix again soon. Yeah, well, I mean, we, even if O'Hare can... I know O'Hare is a winger and he's played us help front yeah. in his time. If he fancies a go on the left, give it him because we need someone who's going to get the ball and stay wide and know how, you know, stretch that pitch. Because mm-hmm. we were, we you know, the pass maps and all the heat maps show just a lopsided team. There's no, you know, positional discipline because everyone's trying to... They're trying too hard and, you know, you say you want fight in a in your football team and that's good but if they're fighting too hard and losing their heads and running up the pitch to try and score it's it's going to fuck your team up mm. well yeah you need to fight but you also got to pick your battles oh yeah that's what Yedinak excels at because he won't go for a ball he knows what he can't get and that's another, mm-hmm. one of Bakuna's traits people say he's lazy walk around the pitch he just won't go for a ball that he knows he's not going to get yeah, and I mean, everyone sort of pinned Hull's equaliser on him and Whelan for not, you know, sprinting back into the box. Al Mohamed, do you want to Yeah, and we also had players in the box. Like if one of them win the ball, but Whelan and Bakuna have rushed back and they're not there to chase the second ball, the problem persists. You know, if they stay there and the defenders actually do their jobs, you don't question where they were or why they weren't somewhere else, do you? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's just so much wrong with Aston Villa right now. And <laughs> the problem, the real problem that strikes me is that everyone's like, oh, Steve Britt, all he needs is a preseason. And we say this every year, and it's so frustrating. Like we said it with Sherwood, we like, we saw, oh, he's great. He's kept us up. Amazing job. The football wasn't great, and there's major flaws, but all he needs is a preseason, and he'll get it right. Steve Bruce, and he said, this is another thing that's really annoying. Steve Bruce, in the, the press conference yesterday, said, I've been here the best part of six months when he's been here for almost a year. Ten months he's been <laughs> there. And I just think, are you not are you not learning from anything that's happened? Because we all are. I, I mean, he must know more than us, surely. That's got to be a definite. You know, he's got to know more than a couple of bloggers and some plasterers on Twitter, you know. <laughs> but he doesn't look yeah, like I mean, that. Yeah, I, I wish I had the answer for that. 
Because if I had the answer, I'd be the Villa manager. But I've got Alex's ex- expected Villa column up, and I'm looking at. I'm like, does Steve Bruce know this? Does you know? Does he know all of these things that Alex is saying? Is Alex saying the right things? Because it looks like it. And I'm, I'm not. I'm on with, <laughs> with Steve him. Bruce. I'm not done with him. It's just a weird thing. Is he from? Is he from the generation of managers where it's all about like physical attributes rather than like all these? Stats and stuff. But even if it was, you'd think uh, he would buy loads of free agents in the summer, like Redknapp have tried to do, or he'd get. You mean like John Terry? Yeah, exactly. Well, that's one. I mean, but like you know, look at the signings he made last January. They're hardly the most physical players. Huran's technically gifted. You know, Lansbury's that that number ten. He's not going to get involved in tackles. You've got James Bury, who's pretty lean. You know, we haven't got. You know, I'd expect Bruce to do a Pulis and play four centre backs, and I'd prefer that right now. If you gave me. F- you know, four centre backs across the back four, and just told me that's it. I'd be sound because it would it would solve a yeah. massive problem. Yeah, you say that, but then if you look at what centre backs we have, then you know that, that's never going to be the solution because you know, lo and behold, we sold Nathan Baker for no apparent good reason, which I'm still not thrilled about. I mean, we, I don't think we had any choice in it because the fact is we brought in Chris Sambras, that third centre-back, and Nathan Baker's suddenly been demoted for no reason. You know, he's got every right to go, and if he wants to go, I ain't going to stop him because we made... Oh, no, that's that's fair enough, but bringing in Samba and Terry and getting rid of Baker, it's not sending the right message out, is it, to the players coming up through the system? We've got Asa Sullivan, and he's he's good. He uh, scored um, in the final of that England under 19. True. He's good. So, where is he on match day? You know, where's... I wouldn't be surprised if we loaned him out again. Where's Mitch Clark on match day? Played with Blood and Thunder against Talford. Mm. You know, and I'm good not point. saying that everyone goes that our oh, youth is a crutch. I mean, you think the thing is, you put in a youth player at age 16, 17 and play him in a proper first team match, they're going to get burnt out by age 25. So. But the the point is, it's keeping these people around the match day squad because Chris Sambra isn't going to be here more than a season, unless he pulls something out of the bag. And I'm, I'm, you know, he probably can. He's he's um, one of the Premier League's probably best defenders in that era from 2010 to 2011. Definitely top mm. top five centre back for Blackburn. It was always it was like him and like Breeder Hangelands. They were always sort of always linked to like making the big move, and it just never happened. Uh, and David Winter as well. Stayed. Yeah, he was another one. Mm. What was the other one? And, and maybe Scott Dan as well. Who was, yes, and you know, Dan. they're sort of the players who There's one maybe one. stayed at their clubs for one season Roger too Johnson. many. Yeah, Roger Johnson's the one. Oh, yeah. yeah. There, was a bunch of there was a bunch of uh, just sending back to Shawcross as well. Yeah, he's still all right, though. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't knock Shawcross now. But David Wheat's come mm, but... Bolton and they've just got promoted. So these these people went nowhere, like Samba. He got his payday at Ansu <laughs> and QPR, and that's it, isn't it? Good guy. Mm. I don't remember grudging for doing that. You know, you've only got a short window to make your money. Yeah. But but you don't want to hire you not leave the sport with a what's if. No, you know, you want to hire people who start at a competitive level and you know playing for Anzi in Dagestan in near Chechnya isn't like the best level, is it? Even if it is in the Russian Premier League. But the no. we've got a problem at the money went out there. Yeah. Because the thing is, we said everyone said, "Oh, John Terry's going to solve a lot of discipline issues at the back." No, nah, he isn't. You know, he's not a one. He's good, but he's not a one-man army. Bear in mind as well. I think you might have brought this up. He 
you know, he's basically sat out a whole season. So he's not actually up to pace anymore I, or at the minute. A lot of people have brought it up on Twitter as well, and it might just be Twitter speak. But people are saying that he doesn't train that much because he's always got a photo of him doing something that isn't training when Villa players are at training through their Instagram story. And he doesn't he isn't in the, those photos of training. Yeah. I would expect yeah, that. All the, no, that all depends on when you're uploading photos. I, I can't see somebody like Steve Ruth letting that fly. Because, I mean, there was, I know there was that one where Wimbledon, but I think they made it clear that he was already supposed to be going to Wimbledon prior to signing. Yeah. So that one you can sort of understand, to be fair. Oh, yeah, I wasn't knocking, because it's like you can't expect a 37-year-old centre-back to train every single day or play every game, because it's, it's probably... Would you expect him to play against Reading, to be honest? Like, Doubt it. I mean, he he definitely but, will, but like, I don't want him to. I, I don't know. Maybe he won't. You know, he's on those runs, I suppose. We don't know how well he's like feeling today. Like, you know, and if, if he, I'd, and I'd hope as well, if he was say feeling, you know, seventy percent, he'd be able to say to Steve Bruce, you know, look, bench me for this one, and then let me go again on the weekend because we need. I don't know, we've got Samba. Some problems, and we've made this situation ourselves. We genuinely have made this situation. Oh yeah. Uh, we didn't have to buy Chris Samba. We we could have, and we could have went. Chris, you can be the fifth choice centre back, mate, and we'll give you twenty grand a week. Are you happy with that? And he'll say yes, I'm happy with that. And we go Nathan, mate. Mm-hmm. Nathan, you're still the third choice centre back. You're going to play every two games because John Terry's going to be knackered. He'll probably be okay with that. The situation we found ourselves in, where we went, Chris, mm-hmm. you're the first third choice. Buy Nathan. That's just. Mm. Do you think we see much Tom of Tommy Elphick this season? I forgot we had him. I generally just I generally just remembered him. But he liked um a status on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. And that was like typical Villa Shambles or something. And that was just like you don't like, nah, you ain't, you ain't playing like, for the club. It's like something that somebody like Joe Bennett would have done. Because he, he got a bit, he got a bit bitchy on Twitter today. We tried to block his move though, you know, that's a career ruiner, that is. I, mean, yeah, I don't like it. From fair him, point. You know, it's a bit sour after two games, but like, especially when you know he he played, but he didn't do anything. Of then no, you got to think like the personal like, level is. You know, you're growing up. You want to. You know, you haven't made it a villa, so you want to move on. And then the owner blocks you move for some reason. You're not, you're not going to be best pleased, are you? No, I mean, I I do understand why he's done it, but I'm still not happy with him for doing it. He didn't block it graciously either. <laughs> like it was, it was quite public, and it was pretty stupid. I, I, I think you could, you know, um, categorize a lot of what our owner does as quite public and a bit stupid. To be honest, I know people won't like me saying that, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely comfortable with him. Just sort of, it's very Donald Trump esque in that he just sort of says it's very what bagger, he wants to it? everyone. Yeah, yeah. Not to say that he's uh, a white nationalist or whatever, but it's very, it's very uh, overly patriotic. And like, if you say anything against like dear leader, like you're up to the off to the gulags or something, sort of yeah. on Twitter, you're going to get like publicly attacked for being against what he says. And I, mm. I really like him, but I think it's just like it's almost like a cult of personality. Yeah, there's, there's and I think too much worship going on. Like... Yeah, like, he seems like a nice guy, but and I think. A lot of the problem is I don't think it's just him that does his Twitter. So you can tell what you, you know. Sometimes you can tell it might be someone else. 
Mm. So I think it's more his personality that's been stretched out beyond what it is for public PR reasons. You know, we had that Ian Holloway situation last year. All that God. stuff. But yeah, um, speaking of Twitter, we've got we've done all our wrap up work. I think it's just pointless going on about Cardiff anymore because there's, there's just so much wrong about it. Um, so yeah, we had quite a few Twitter questions today, Alice. So we'll get into these. And uh, if you did send in the question, thank you very much for doing so. And um, first one is from Scott Hogan, heart emoji at I love Scott Hogan. <laughs> uh, can you guess who the player is? Yeah. Um, guess who the question's about? Um, do you think, when given the correct service, Scott Hogan, of all people, would you believe it, will thrive in our team with the runs he makes? And I think, yeah, he's, that's bang on. I don't know if it'll work in our team, but I know if you give him the right service, he will thrive as a player. I don't know if it's ever going to work out for him at Villa because the fans we already seem to be honest. He's played the ball to his feet too much, and it is, mm. it, it is, it is fucking but- agitating. Because mm, I have no doubt that he's a great player and he doesn't stop. He is a hard worker. It's just like it hasn't clicked for him yet. And I it just will, hope that we, we, I hope it does. I hope we have enough patience to let it happen. But, you know, all too often we write off somebody entirely too quickly. I just hope it's not the same with Hogan. Because the thing is, he's so similar to Gabby in the sense that he is genuinely predatory in how fast he is and the runs he'll make. He seems yeah. a bit smarter than Gabby as well, which, you know, isn't a bad thing. That's not a knock on Gabby. He just like, sometimes he'll just run into the fucking corner flag. Mm. But, um, Hogan, he is, he is smart and he's lethal and we aren't... It's the same with Bjarnason. This pisses me off about Bjarnason. It's like he's genuinely the smartest player in our team and he'll make some crazy runs, like amazing runs and no one passing the ball. And when he doesn't want the ball, someone will ping it off his feet. And like then even then, he won't get played in the right position. And it's the same with Hogan. He's just not played right. Mm, fair. And I, I mean, if you, I mean, you say he plays similar to Gabby. Surely, in that case, having both of them playing together is a bit counterproductive. That's yeah. That comes off the back of Cardiff match because you know Gabby should be playing a striker, not the left wing, because he wants to be central. And you know he scored a goal and he's done well for us so far this season. Play him yeah. centrally. Rotate between him and Hogan. Let Hogan have some time off sometimes because he needs to rest those legs up. And let just Gabby knacker himself scoring goals. Because if you play Gabby Central, I'm pretty sure he'll score a goal. Mm. You know, he what he's not like a, this terrible player that he was, you know, a year ago. He seemed to have actually genuinely improved in some areas of his game that needed improving. So play him centrally, find someone else to fix up the left. Even if it's Hogan, play Hogan on the left. Mm. I mean, see what he can do. It's worth a try for one game at least. Just no, to see the state of the side of the pitch. But what do you think about that as well? Um, it's too early to say he's done, but we need to change things, surely, with Hogan. Oh, yeah, he, he's got... He, there's no reason why he should be done. The only, the only reason if he is is if, you know, Steve Bruce bows into the pressure of people saying, you know, this guy's a waste of money, ditch him. Just oh, because... If he, does, if he does that, he's a fucking tool. <laughs> no, and I'm... Like, you don't pay how many... I think he... Did he cost more than Codger? I'm pretty sure he, he did. He cost more than Codger and he cost more than McCormack. But he's binned off McCormack, so what's to say he's not going to do it to Hogan. I forgot we had Ross McCormack as well. That's annoying, isn't it? When you've just got another striker you can play or another 10 you can play and you're not playing. And we just don't. Yeah, don't tell me about shit. it. Um, Dan Withington on Twitter. That's at PunkyMonkey666. Um, changed owner, manager, players, still rubbish. Good players come to Villa and forget how to play. What is wrong with our club? And Dan, I don't think I can answer that, mate. 
it's just so like the problem with village is so beyond my, like my capacity to even realize at the moment yeah i mean it's all well and good making changes but you've got to make the right changes like we've we probably just... made like is the right owner is it the right manager are they the right players those are the question marks i think our squad is the best in the championship but it doesn't play the best on the trump. It's like kind of when you play football manager and nothing works and you're just like, what the fuck is going on? I'm losing 10-0 to Burton in the, the Carabao Cup. You know, some things, sometimes things don't, they don't work out though. Like, yeah. Uh, just, but at some point it has to. It's all Gary Gardner's fault, I'm telling you. He's he's just causing all the issues behind the scenes. Apparently now, I, he's I, on the loan to Barnsley, which is... Uh, I think he'll do well there. Mm. A team where no. he's like the focal point in the midfield is all right. I mean, it's the team where he's just nothing. In I mean, he'll be getting what Conor Hurahan had at Boundley. It's in, like, you know, the sort of creative freedom that seems to have disappeared now Hurahan's come to us. So I don't doubt it'll work out for Gardner there, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, that's like a good team for him to be like, you know, he was good at Nottingham Forest and then suddenly he's at Villa and he's shit. Don't make sense. Mm. The problem with it, I'm trying to work out an answer to this. I think the problem is we we try and make get things right. Or we we have so much pressure on everyone at Villa to get things right. And the thing is, Steve Bruce might have had the winning plan, and maybe it didn't work out at the time. So and then there's pressure to change it, isn't there? So now we're at this thing where we have to play. We aren't even playing Route One football, are we? We're just so turgid. And sluggish. It's just it pinging is. it left to right without any real purpose. Because it's a last chance saloon, and it's not saying Steve Bruce is going to get sacked. It's like we're just so far out of ideas in this with this current management team. That, that because you know it goes back to that Facebook live thing. Steve Bruce is done. He doesn't know what to do, and that's not like me slagging him off. He he generally is struggling. And on match week two, that's pretty dismal. Because, like, you could be Paul Lambert and say, oh, we'll go again, and that's all right, you know, just fob it off to next week, and if it happens again, we get angrier and angrier. But to come out and look so pissed off after the second... And, yeah, he has every reason to be pissed off. That's probably one of the worst filler results in the, you know, in what I can think for a while. Certainly, I can't. I mean, it's the worst one I've ever been to. I can't remember... Even 6-0 against Liverpool wasn't even that bad because you would expect that. No, we, no that was like, pretty bad. I do remember. That was, don't get me wrong. That was that pretty bad. shocking. That was bad, but we were the worst team in the Premier League against one of the best teams in the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah. Mark Ben broke my heart that day. That was the day I realised, actually, no, he's actually not that very good. Yep. That upset me greatly. Well, I just... To come out after the second game and go, I don't know. And this is paraphrased, and I think it's a bit different to what I'm saying. But the gist of it is he was just speechless. It was like a sucker punch. And that's not good to see after two games, isn't it? No, not at all. Um, Nedja at Grasse, that's uh, with two Ys on Twitter, says, Have we tried to put too many new players on the pitch at once instead of slowly bringing them back into the side that ended the season? Well, I don't think it matters. I think we've got to... We go so we always go on about chemistry and stuff, but look at O'Hare and Anima. You know, they come on and actually look like they know what they're doing straight bang off the bat with no time to jail. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. I don't think we particularly have like I mean, John Terry's come in, Al Mahavini's come in, Whelan's come in, 
and now Anoma's come in. That's not too many. And it's scary. It's and scary when you point out quite rightly that Anoma was one of our best players on the weekend and played very well midweek, you can't sort of blame it on the new players not fitting in. Yeah, I mean it's it's a common thing to and sometimes it is it is a case of jelly like how many players have AC Milan bought this season and will that work straight away? But Villa don't have that problem. They've bought like four people who are team players. It's not like I mean, they've brought a star from South America um, and a star from um, Spain or a star from uh, Serie A. I suppose to say we, we did it and it did sort of take effect in January, I think. But yeah, that was a big problem. That, in that January. was a that was a bigger, more significant change. Was this should have been just sort of fine tuning around the edges, and um, it's just continuing we can't even to not work. Because we've had a full pre-season. Oh, I know. I'm just saying, I mean, we've, it's not as if we've done, like, wholesale changes. We've just sort of... It's not like we've sat, sat the manager, brought everyone in, and we've just lost a card. Yeah. Know, there's, there's been, like, four to six months of work planning for these games, and it hasn't happened. I think that actually probably makes the result feel even worse, just because, you know, I don't know if it's easy to say, you know, we should have done better, but... We really, really, really should have done a lot better. Yep, and uh, you won't be surprised that people are calling for Steve Bruce's head. And I don't, I'm not against pe- people having that opinion. I mean, I wouldn't slag anyone off having that opinion right now. Uh, Mark Jagielski, uh, Mark Jag, 1984, on Twitter has got the surprising opinion, and this is sh- shared by many Villa fans for better or for worse. Yeah, get Sherwood back, a hungry, passionate manager that loves the club. Let him sign his own players and he will get us right back. Tim Sherwood bad. doesn't love the club. Tim Sherwood loves Tim Sherwood. That's it. Tim Sherwood loves the payday. He loves Malaga. He loves um, the, the beaches of the Algarve and he loves being himself. Yeah, I don't no. disagree that he'll get us, you know. Nah, he would, nah, I don't dis- not at all. I'm not, I'm I not having it. Don't, nah, don't get me wrong with this. I don't want him back. But I can see why people think he would. Because you want someone who would inject life into Villa. It's not sustainable though. Like it, it would do us more damage in the long run. Like just, just look like at heroin them. addiction. Yeah, no, I, I don't fancy that to be honest, mate. No, um, I can see why. I, I wouldn't disagree necessarily with the concept, the idea of it, because it is you just need someone who is like Tim Sherwood, but without everything that makes Tim Sherwood Tim Sherwood. Mm. And also the. The hunger to win every game, but we need ideas and we need general con- grounded concepts that aren't just we need to fucking win. Also, that that doesn't last past five games. And when Tim Sherwood had his good moment, he had a genuine world class player in his squad. It comes back now with no Benteke, it it, it just wouldn't work because it barely worked last time. Yeah, Benteke and Villa are one of those clubs where it works out amazingly for both people. Mm. And there's so much chemistry between the club and how it plays and their star player. Like, Benteke hasn't kicked on. You know, he's done all right at Palace, I guess, but it hasn't been to the standards of what he was at Villa. Did so, you uh, um, catch much of a day this weekend? Um, yeah, that was pretty entertaining, to be honest. Mm. Matthew Lowen had an absolute stormer, and that made me like so annoyed, especially after our right-back what? displays. What pisses me off so much is Burnley have a shitter team than Villa and play so much better. Yeah. Like Sam Burnley is bang average up front and yet 
they played to his strengths and you know he scores two pretty straightforward goals if you for some reason Burnley fan or have sympathies for Burnley and listen I'm not like slagging the team off I'm just saying like I would want Lansbury and Orohan and Kodja and Sam John now, Tom Heaton's actually really good yeah and John Terry in my team you know what I mean it's stuff like that it's just I just don't get why Burnley it's, it's Sean Dyche isn't it it's, it's just I don't think Dyche could do what he does at Burnley anywhere else because it's just one like Ben Tekkenville it's just one of those things that works well where it is like Harry and Bournemouth so it's just one of those things where it's contained in that like Sherwood at Villa in 2015 even it doesn't work anywhere else. Only in that time, at that specific place, does it work. How, how do you make that work? How do we create a similar sort of atmosphere? Like you've mentioned recently, Olive Melberg. Like, was that work? Is that the solution? Tell me. Fucking hell! I mean, I do not say bring Olive Melberg to Aston Villa to manage lightly, but after doing a base level of research, this is quite incredible what Melberg's done. Um, for his team. I'm not going to even bother to pronounce his team, but they're a second division club in Sweden. Um, for 44 matches, how many times has he won, do you think, out of 44 games? 25. 33. That's pretty special, to be fair. What's his goal difference, do you reckon, out of 44 games? Better no, than how, much, how many has he scored? How, how many do you reckon his, uh, his team has scored? In how many games, sorry? 44. Yeah. 85 goals. 100, and he's conceded 28. Nice. That's 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 pretty impressive. And the thing I like about Marburg is there's that kind of Jurgen Klopp aspect where he just will not take any shit at all from anyone. Mm. So also, I mean, it's the same with Wagner at Huddersfield. It's just, it, it's like the perfect person for your club, someone with continental management experience, someone who isn't jaded by this whole thing of championship, quote-unquote championship experience. Because look at Djokovic, um, Fulham. Mm, Wagner too. It, it's, it's not. Like, we brought in Bruce this championship. Yeah. To win the championship. You know, it might, you know, Djokovic did uh, well with Watford a few years ago, but it's, it, it's, it's not even that type of thing. People want people, you know, Wyness seems to want people who have had 20 seasons or 15 seasons with various clubs in the championship. And it's just changed. The championship now is probably one of the top 15 leagues in Europe without mm. hyperbole at all. You know, the level of competition in the championship, as we've seen, is pretty extreme and the quality of football is pretty good. Um, when Bruce won it with Birmingham, well, when he got promoted with Birmingham and Wigan, on it was Jill that got promoted with Wigan, sorry. It was different. It wasn't, you know, you could sit back and you could play five at the back and four at the back and just draw your way to the top. If you, it's different now. It's, there's so, so much the continental influence in it. The points totals are just getting higher, aren't they, to get up, get up. So I think yeah, it's it's a whole new ball game. There's more money in it than ever before. Better players, better teams. So why are we considering consistently looking back at Old managers, I don't understand it. And the thing is, like, we have genuinely got a problem with expectancy as well because last season apart, we should have we should have been going up top three last season. There's, you know, when you're relegated, you need to be one of those top three teams going up. Yeah, you know, you need to be automatic or at least third because you 
do I've got a budget that should blow everyone out of the water and you've got to have talent that blows everyone out of the water. And um the big problem is that we you know we hire Bruce and we're like, oh we're gonna get promoted. We hire Demon Town and we're like we're gonna get promoted. I think we just need to actually accept the fact that losing games and drawing games and not getting what you want is part of the Aston Villa experience now. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just means that when we go to Cardiff and lose 3 0, we need to not think that that is the end of days. Now we do, because Steve Bruce has put it said, Oh, we need to get promoted and we spent so much money where it's an expectancy. But I think we need to just change the way we are as a club and hire someone who is going to be here for three or four years and make something happen over the long term. It's how coming you- up now. How do you change that mindset, though? Because the fans won't accept anything less than, you know, the Premiership. The club needs to say something. The club needs to come out and say, you know, Steve Bruce is going to be here indefinitely or for the until, at least until the end of the season. Mm-hmm. The thing is, it's, it's, and it's not like they're doing a bad job, you know. You can't slag off the club for not doing that. But the thing is, we have this issue where we think, and betting markets have said we're going to win the league. People have predicted us to win the league. And people haven't just predicted us to win the league. People have predicted us to blow the league out of water on no evidence. Yeah. And see, Bruce has played up to that. Don't get me wrong. He hasn't said, oh, I don't know. He's went, oh, we are going to gun through because, you know. And it is... You know, and the thing is, you hire someone like Malberg and... Look, it, it's not like you're hiring some, a randomer from the middle of Sweden. You're, you're hiring someone with a genuine connection to the club. You're hiring a smart manager. You're hiring some someone who is going to be honest and who is, you know, he's got fire, genuine fire, and he's in the same way as Sherwood, but at least with a brain. Mm-hmm. But then, do you have a problem where somebody like John Terry is he going to be able to play as well? Somebody like Olive Malberg as he is for somebody like Steve Bruce. Olaf Malberg, if John Terry has no respect for Olaf Malberg to play for him that well, then John Terry can fuck off, to be quite honest. And it's, it's not like Olaf Malberg is probably one of Sweden's greatest ever players. Olaf Malberg, probably in his time, top 10 defender in Europe. Genuinely yeah. good. Not great, not like incredible player. Genuinely one of the most well respected professionals in his time. Yeah. Even Zlatan. So look at look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic. The mouth on that geezer, the ego on that geezer, and he's still got the sense to say that Malberg's one of the best players he played with. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't disrespect Malberg because, you know, he's a scary dude. Exactly. Um, Larson seemed a lot more friendly, Martin Larson. But Malberg seems to be the one who is making something happen in management. And it's not mm. like he's been like gigs and went, oh, I need a job in the Premier League. He's went into the shithole league in Sweden and he's absolutely smashed it so yeah I wouldn't go Ohio Olaf Malberg to replace Steve Bruce necessarily I think if we collapse this season we need to obviously um, look at the budgets because of FFP financial fair play and all that and we're going to have to hire a manager who's worked with nothing mm. like Malberg it's not like Lambert in a sense where Lambert had at least something to do at Norwich because he had nothing at Villa he wasn't even throwing a bone at Villa but Malberg will come in. He loves the club. The fans love him. They'd have a lot more leeway with Malberg. But even if, you know, there's no way people would turn on Malberg that quick. If if we as a fan base turn on Malberg as quick as we turn on Di Matteo, we are fucking idiots. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. That's not like I don't want to be this like on a pedestal and just slag Villa fans off. But like, if you turn on off Malberg that quick, 
And I think that you have to look more within and your expectations of Villa. But yeah. yeah. I think that's enough on that one. Yeah. The Sherwood mm-hmm. one, bloody hell. Went on about that. Um, but yeah, final question, Robert Chapman at Lee's 6178 on Twitter. Put McCormack back up front. Cannot be bad as Gabby. I mean, I, I agree about bringing McCormack back. But I think that's a little unfair on Gabby because, you know, he's hard, he's worked hard the last few games. So fair play to him for that. But yeah, McCormack needs to be back in the picture. It won't happen because Bruce is an idiot. We didn't have a striker on the bench. Callum O'Hare's a striker, I get you. But I genuinely like him in midfield. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want even without McCormack, where's Davis? Where's Hepburn Murphy? Like, yeah, that's weird. Like, I mean, sure, putting them against Cardiff's frankly terrifying centre-halves wouldn't have been the greatest thing to do. But, you know, when, you, when you're playing that bad and you don't have that plan B, it's not going to change, is it? No, no, not at all. I mean, McCormack's someone, like, he's not the most talented player in the world. He's not going to score 20 goals in the Premier League. He's done it in the championship, though, and he is someone who, on occasion, is pretty gifted. You know, long-range shots, free kicks, bit of technique. That, that's his bag. That's Ooh, his game. Yeah, well, on free kicks, like, set pieces are a fucking disaster. Like, uh, Lansbury on free kicks is awful. Lansbury on corners is awful. And then you switch it out, and then you're just having people taking it in turns to take corners, and... No one knows where to go because you've got so many different people doing different things. You're... You know when someone has a set piece routine and you think, why do Villa not have a set piece routine? Yeah, I, mean, no... I miss Ashley not... Westwood set pieces because at least you knew what you could get. So the other we players could plan around, like the other players could yeah. plan around what he would do. But how can you plan around Lansbury pinging it either too long to the back post or smack into the wall? You can't. We did try something with O'Hare. On the uh, one corner that we had, that was the one that hit the bar, wasn't it? Uh, I'm not sure, but it was one where he, it at first glance, as I was watching on a TV, TV, it looked like he'd underhit it and fucked it up. Mm. Uh, it was just just a pass to to someone on the outside. Yeah, and I like stuff like that because it's just you know it's not the expected thing, is it? It is a routine. Yeah. And we don't have that, and that's very frustrating. That Steve, you know, we have got a lot of aerial threat. Chris Samba, James Chester, John Terry, even Gabby mm. on the corner. Don't mess with that. And um, Horahan O'Hare on edge of box. Lansbury should even be in the middle as well, I'd argue, because he's a fairly sizable guy. We had Neil Taylor taking corners, and I'm not horribly against that no I am because they scored their second goal directly from a Neil Taylor corner that didn't beat the first man he gets out muscled off the ball they hammer it downfield and score so I I I just don't rate Neil Taylor Um, that makes it even more frustrating that we saw Jordan Amavi to be honest yeah I mean I'm not sure even how to um, it's just it's fucking how annoying is it second game of the damn season this is this is a podcast after the second game <laughs> second game mate yeah. and um, I think what we're going to go on to now mate some opinions about Steve Bruce and bear in mind second game of the season we've, I've took the uh, liberty of compiling these from Twitter and they're not good reading um, Ronson Brown 
at Ronson one three one three. He says, "I know we need stability. I know it, but I think it's fair to question his ability to produce for this club. And I don't know who would replace him." With his comments after the match, would seem to indicate he's got the door in his sights, and that is just bang on. Mm. Like if you, he has had so much time at Aston Villa to this point, he's had everything he's wanted, genuinely everything he's wanted. I mean, he's been unlucky with Codger's injury and he had an axe injury, but he's been given the tools to do his best to replace that. And the same thing is happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need stability, but you need the right person to bring stability as well. Like... Stability is vastly, in a sense, because look at Watford. I mean, they've pretty much sacked every manager they've had after a season and it's worked for them in, mm-hmm. a, in the sense that they just go on and get someone better. And we're point. on a we're doing the same thing where we just sack a manager seemingly on a whim, and we don't know who to hire. I mean, I don't think it was like when Di Matteo was going wrong or per se wrong. People were saying he went wrong. I don't think it was like Steve Bruce was a man instantly lined up. By the way, it's just he. It was just everything fell into place. Didn't it? I mean, yeah. Because if you're gonna hire Steve Bruce, he was available when we hired Di Matteo. True. Like if we'd have had any kind of smarts about ourselves, we'd have, you know, either I can't remember if it would have been waited a bit longer or pulled the trigger sooner and gone in for Gary Rowett. That would have been the decision to do. But yeah, he wasn't available at the time, so we just went with the best we could come up with on short notice, and that's not. Ideal for long-term thinking, I'd imagine. The thing is, man, Paul Lambert is available, and at this point, you wouldn't even—I wouldn't want us to hire Paul Lambert. But you—you you would look at that and go, it cannot be genuinely worse than what is happening now. I mean, he's brought in arguably the best player we've had in seven or eight years. So I'd say, you know, oh, McLeish would have something to say about that because he goes on a lot about how he scouted Benteke. <laughs> Pull the trigger, though. <laughs> Lambert's time at Villa was more so he had a good style of play that he wanted to work and he didn't have the players for it to work so he had to change into a shit style of play to suit what he had and that didn't work either so it's just a constant cycle of things not working. Mm, I think he looked Lambert Lambert would probably bring back Andy Vyman. He's done it already at Wolves. If he did it again I'd be all for it. Yeah, I mean if that's the bargain that I get to see Vyman play up front or on the wing for Villa. That would solve the left side issue right there. Right. Yeah. We need to make it happen. Mate. And I mean, not people would like, that's not an opinion that it would be popular, but it's like, it cannot actually be worse. Mm. It might be. So it might be, but you look at the team we've got now and you think Paul Lambert would probably like this team in the Premier League. You know, this if, if you gave him the money, this might be, Aside from Lukaku and Obama Yang and everyone who says he targeted, this might be a team that he would like because it's you know it's genuine, it's genuinely good. Mm. It's not like horrible. It's not like, I mean, Alamadi wasn't bad and Ron Vlaar wasn't bad, but it's not like he's scraping the bottom of the barrel. This team, well, you will be next year if fair uh, play all that. Yeah, but they, they, I mean, even Jokinovic is apparently not happy at Fulham. They could target that for sure. And I mean, not definitely. I'd you'd leave Fulham. You, you know, there are. It's not like there's no one to hire. Mm. It's not like you can sack Bruce and go, "Oh, who do I hire next?" Because there's loads of people, like the guy at Barnsley. Um, is it Heckingbottom and Dean Smith at Brentford? 
Mm. Um, you could probably look further afield. Like if we're saying, you know, championship, experience, championship experience isn't worth as much as people say it is, there's going to be loads of young up-and-coming managers on the continent that this is a huge Good chance too, for them. Yeah, Gennaro Gattuso at Milan's youth team. I mean, he loves Milan, he loves the youth team, but you give him the right deal at Aston Villa, he might come to Aston Villa mm-hmm. and it's worth trying. You know, people are there's genuine managerial talent out there. Yeah, because you don't want another old boy picking up a payday and just sort of going through the motions. The only old boy I'd go for, <laughs> genuinely go for at this point, is Neil Warnock. And that is, I wouldn't, I'm not even like that. Big Sam. I don't think he'll come to Villa. I think he's looking for one of those like Dubai or Qatar teams for a big payday. International management payday. Is Villa not exotic enough? I don't think so. He's a Dudley boy, isn't he? I think he's been there, done that. It is. Yeah. Um, Sam Tolly on uh, Twitter was never keen on Bruce due to his style of football. Still not. His lineup was baffled to me. Baffle me. If he's on thin ice, has to go. If no improvement. Yeah, and I agree. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I wouldn't pull the trigger now for certain. Like, I think pulling the trigger. I mean, the the players like him. The players genuinely seem to, what for whatever reason, to seem seem to be on board with Steve Bruce. I think when you sack managers, it's it's never a good it's never a good thing to do to a dressing room. I genuinely, I'd say end of October, maybe in November, and if things are bad, then he has to go. I think. I don't know. Um, but at that point, surely promotions out of the window anyway. So does it not make more sense? Providing we're not close to relegation, just sort of go through the motions of just seeing out the season. But then we can't really afford to, can we? My answer's more me based on me expecting things to get better. And I mean, like, the thing is, if you lose these games, you know, genuinely, if we lose to Norwich and Reading and we go into Bristol City and don't get a result there at the end of the month, you can genuinely kiss automatic promotion goodbye no matter what you do because you'd have to win out like Alex said to us we'd have to win every game mm-hmm. like teams that go get promoted they don't lose more than five games or eight games and we've already got one in the bag within two days of the season yeah um, I mean I'd sack him I'd sack him now if I had the chance but I think it's not realistic to just pull the pull the trigger on Bruce um, I think he's got time on his hands because he's like, the thing is, he's the board's man as well. Yeah, it's not like Di Matteo who was brought in to kind of make that complete package and think, oh, we got promise for the future. He, this is genuinely the guy they want. Yeah, and I suppose if yeah. if he goes wrong, it sort of shows cracks in sort of the ownership as well. In that they've come in with all these grand plans, and they're basically admitting, actually, you know what, maybe our plans aren't perfect. And if you start questioning that, what else do you question? A lot. Um, and people are questioning on Twitter. I mean, we had Mark Cashmore says uh, Cashmore MD has to go. And George AD worried about his comments after the game, disappointed with lack of identity. And playing style is another thing. We do not have a style. No. People say, I don't like Bruce's football, but he's done everything. You can't pin it down. We play possession football. We play counter attacking football. We played long ball. We played direct football. <coughs> Pardon me. We've tr- we've done everything. We've played. We've done everything under the sun under Bruce. We played every- most type of formations, and nothing stuck. And that's on him for not sticking. I mean, this three at the back thing he said was going on about that plan's gone. Now I'd think that's something that'd be useful. Yeah. Because then you could have kept Nathan Baker. 
Yeah, I think that that one, and I've already said it, that, that's the worst business we could possibly have done. Not maybe possibly, because obviously you know, losing something like culture would have been worse. But of the decisions we have made, I think that was definitely the worst. At Decamoto on Twitter, uh, Declan O'Donoghue, um, says, I dislike Pardew, Pardew, Alan Pardew intensely, but I feel like someone like him is required. And like, it's not like I disagree with the Sherwood thing. Like Pardew, for some reason, has been managing in the, in the Premier League for a, long, a while. I mean, he left Newcastle for Crystal Palace, didn't he? Yeah. I said, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he wanted there and he didn't do like terribly badly with either team. And, but I, I, I think someone like Podge is probably out of reach for Villa. And that's... Yeah, I think he'd probably want more money than we can realistically afford to chuck at him at the minute. Um, and he's a bit more of a proto-Sherwood, isn't he? He's in that in that vein. And yeah. I get what, where Declan's coming from. Oh, did I need to have arrogance? But the same's with Mal- Malberg wouldn't take anything. Yeah, I don't, I don't think Podge is the answer. I mean... I think is it. I think the guy's asking the right question and saying, you know, that's what we need. But I don't think he's the answer. Oh yeah, perfectly. And um, last question. I think last uh, Bruce discussion thing we have is a uh, PMT three thousand Paul M Tyler on Twitter. This is a long one, by the way. And um, with all these signings, why isn't he prior- prioritizing effective Kaji backup? Play one up the front. Play one at front, and that person needs to be a focal point. And it's because. I think he's tried so hard to plan without Kodja that now when Kodja does come back, all he's going to do is paper up loads of cracks because we don't have a system, like Paul says, or a style emerging our player. He's had long enough, even if Solings weren't his. Yeah, I mean, I'm more of the opinion he's not really tried to figure out a Kodja solution, but rather sort of try to scrape it together until he comes back, which is really stupid because it doesn't, like you said, it papers over cracks. It doesn't solve the problem. Of being over reliant on one player, yeah, bringing Conjure back is like it's a bl- it's a it's a blessing and a curse mm. because you know he's a great player. But the thing is, we win because of his ability to change things, not because we're good. And that's not ever something you want to because it costs you. It's like selling your soul; it costs you so much. Because when you are discovered and when Conjure isn't involved in a game or he's injured, then you have literally no idea what to do. And uh, we're finding that out now. Um, this is one that I think you'll be able to answer. Um, same guy. What is Steve Bruce's favourite kebab meat and what combo of sauces does he smash on it to finish it? Pit of bread or meat and chips? I mean, he's definitely a donner. He's a donner man with a bit of, you know, mint and chilli and garlic with pit of bread and chips. He gets it all. He just shoves it all in. That's what he does. So... What you're saying is he's about as indecisive with his kebab as he is with his team. No, it's decisive because he knows he wants it fucking all. <laughs> Smashes it all together. Loves it. Um, also, I'm now um, hungry, yeah. so cheers for that, mate. But, like, the fucking... What pissed me off is, like... And I'm not going to criticise anyone's weight here because, you know, I'm a chubby lad myself. But Steve Bruce, yeah, he was looking fit as a fiddle in that off-season with all that discipline and now, like, every Villa manager, it goes to shit. Doesn't it? Like, he looked in genuine fine health when he joined Villa. Yeah, he looked great and um, now he just looks tired. It's like it's... Villa just churn up managers. Yeah. Like Lambert was the worst. That no, was the worst. Really he looked... 
when we got out, when he <laughs> went like about a month after he left, he looked so much better than he looked at any point when he was with us. I don't know. I generally have no idea why someone as smart as Remy Gard decided to join Villa. I don't... There, there was potential. And then he just... No, he's a good manager, he... but it's just like, he's not going to... This is not going to work, Remy. This isn't... isn't I think do. he came in at the wrong time in terms of what was going on above him. And that meant he was sort of in the firing line from above and from the fans and probably from the players as well because of all the uncertainty around the club. And he was sort of the face to everyone's anger. Like, took it out of him. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's all from you guys. There's a tiny bit more from us. I mean, we've got two matches to preview. I think we've pretty much done all the legwork here, so it's only a little bit more to do. And we're back in action against Reading in two days. And boy, this could be really bad if our form doesn't improve. We'll be off the pace and we'll get slapped around in the championship because Reading are expected to be up there at the end of the season. This is a six-pointer. In definition, Alice, what do you want to see on Tuesday night from Villa? Um, just the complete opposite to Cardiff, because honest to God, that was just so so bad. Um, maybe I'll just set off a fight. You know, right? We didn't at any real point look like coming back into it after going two down. So I can't see us keeping a clean sheet. So I think a better reaction to how we concede. Would be the answer, or maybe we. Should, Ideal, um, yeah. I think maybe we're just going to end up regretting not signing Alex Bruce. To be honest, because he made his debut for Bury today and he scored. I mean, granted they lost. Who's Alex Bruce playing for? Bury, you know, in League One. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. Granted, yeah. they lost four-one to Wigan, but you know, debut goal. He's doing better than Chris Samba. That's who we should have signed. That's. He's doing better than John Terry. <laughs> True that. James. Oh, and James Chester. James Chester should have scored you know, against Cardiff. That was really Yeah, good. heading it into the ground. and then Because <laughs> obviously that would have been <laughs> the equaliser. And, you know, yeah. the game could have... That changes yeah. it. Changes it. Fuck, Villa needs to be clinical. Um, prediction for uh, Reading? 2-0 to Reading. How about you? Fuck. Um, I'll, I'll go for a 1-1. Be a bit more optimistic. Like. Oh yeah, so, sorry, uh, folks. Um... They have to turn it around fast, though. That's the problem. But the thing is, Reading didn't look. I mean, ten men. They got. They got uh, a ten men team equalised with them. So, I mean, Villa have eleven men. Hopefully, on the pitch, that gives them some kind of chance, right? Um, I'll go for one-one because I think, like, I don't want to say Villa will lose because then I'll do all the work of doing dodgy things with the VPN to get. Avery TV to work oh, yeah. again. How did, how did that work I, for? That was really good. I mean, like, I couldn't get it working at first. And, I mean, obviously, I can't go into how I got it to working for legal reasons because I am certain and I know for a fact that someone from Villa listens to this podcast due to the Google Analytics. So I can see you. I can see where you listen from. And um, you don't know who that is, it? And, like, if it's someone on the legal side, and I'm pretty, I'm shafted there. But yeah, um, there is ways. Very, it's easy to do. Fairly easy to do on your phone as well, and then you get a really good picture. Um, so yeah, that looked that way. It was really good. Um, except the match. Yeah, second that. But what if you pay for it? You get the audio stream as well. So even if it doesn't work, you can listen on the audio thing until you kind of get it working. I like you say, if you pay. What you mean to say is we totally did pay. Isn't that right? We, I did genuinely pay from my. UK bank account and it worked with my 
actual Aston Villa account linked to my season ticket as well. So that's how I'm shafted if this will go to, to pot. Um, just so I'll say one one for that, mate. And uh, but I think you'll be uh, joining in with the action, uh, if you see the action against Norwich, uh, Reading because it's a, a weekday and it and you're not down there. Yeah, I'll probably be on our site yeah, Facebook doing what I do. Fair enough. Fair enough. But um, after that, Villa come home to Norwich, who just got thumped for three goals to nil, I think, by Sunderland. And uh, they're looking to be a promotional rival as well, not not by both Norwich and Sunderland. So if we lose to them, that's a problem. And that could be genuinely Seafruit's last game, and I don't say that like lightly. Yeah. If, if he feels this bad after losing away to Cardiff, what happens if we lose to Reading and he gets battered by Norwich? Yeah, I mean, hopefully... This doesn't get better, like, if he loses. Hopefully Cardiff, he can pick himself up. You know, maybe that will... Maybe the reaction that everyone's sort of given to how he was will sort of galvanise him. I mean, that's the best we can like, it's like the whole... If every game now is like the whole game where we actually look like winning, even and if even if we lose, at least you can say, oh, we are on the right track, rather than getting completely battered. He cannot say anything. Yeah, else. for sure. I'd agree with that totally. Uh, what do you want to see from this? Well, I mean, it's too, we have to wait for Reading, really, but I think I just want to see... You have to win at home, no matter who it's against. Yeah. For, for me, it's just the fight, you know? Or at least actually looking like we're going to get back into it when we've gone down, because it just didn't happen against Cardiff. And, you know, and Hogan needs that goal in front of the whole end. The home goal for him will be crucial. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's your prediction for this match, Norwich? I mean, we, I mean, it's a bit, a bit more of an estimate because we, we we don't know what will happen at Reading. Uh, but I want, I want, I want a two 0 win, and that might not be something that happens. But Villa played really good against Hull, mm-hmm. and uh, it didn't I mean, come Norwich off, so. weren't great last season when we played them and I can't imagine they've signed too many big names this season to change it up so with that in mind we should be beating them but this is Villa yeah of course I'll go with a 2-1 Villa that's alright yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be down for that as long as you know as long as we can iron out these but you know if we can play with a some left-sided act, you know, someone on the left side. If we can pull it back in on the right to be stable and balanced, I think we'll be all right. Mm. You know, it's not like we're playing asymmetrically or we have a game plan. We're just generally unbalanced, and that's a problem. But yeah, Ellis, I think that's uh, pretty much it for today. Any final thoughts on uh, anything Villa at the moment? I just try not to think about Villa too much. It makes her a happier life. But you know, it's. Uh... I think this was the first time I've seen a game at a stadium that wasn't Villa Park. So if if we want one final positive, it's that Villa Park just blows it out of the water compared to Cardiff's generic stadium. It's barely a stadium. It's just a sort of ring of mediocrity. Yeah, I mean, if it's anything, you're uh, watching Villa losing style. But where can people follow you, Ellis, and catch your work? Twitter mostly, I guess. I mean, you can find me at Ellis underscore Sanford. I think that's my Twitter. I changed it recently. But yeah, give me a follow. 
you're on Twitter as well. I'm correct in thinking. Yes, yes. Um, do give Ellis a follow at Ellis underscore Sanford on Twitter. I guess that's a wrap. I've been James Rushton. I'll be back next week after the Norwich game, and I'm hoping it's a lot better. You can catch me at Jamo Rushton on Twitter. And please remember to like, subscribe, and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can hear it. Or even on Twitter. You know, we always reply to stuff on Twitter and we like reading your comments, whether they're good or bad, really. We do like hearing from you. So that's all from me and the Hulk cast for this week. We'll speak to you once more next Sunday.